The Tea Health Show, medical lifestyle show. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark and this is the Tea Health Show. And today we're continuing along the line of communication and sex and how we communicate effectively. In studio, um, Simpiwe, our producer, Yvonne van Weyck and my right-hand sister Elise. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. So, Elise, I think let's just start with a quick recap about the erotic blueprint Um that we discussed last yes, week. So, um, just to recap on the different bl- erotic bl- blueprints that is known, is the energy, energetic blueprint, the sensual, the sexual, the kinky, and the shapeshifter. Again, we all got fascinated by choking and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we do. So we are talking sex and we're continuing on this line. But what I, and this sparked a debate this morning, what I said is that we mustn't see um, sex as a separate entity. It is parallel in a relationship. And then the topic came up of one night stands. And I don't have any experience in that. And I would leave it up to the experts. I don't know who they are. Do <laughs> Why are you looking me at me? <laughs> how this works? We clearly know who the expert is. Then. <laughs> well, just to throw you a curveball, I had a one night stand and ended up marrying him. So, <laughs> no, not, but not to say that it does end def- in a relationship. It can't be uh, defined then as a long uh, one night stand. It's the, it's the start of a relationship. Then. It is, so, but it wasn't a very conscious one <laughs> to start with. Was it, it was, it was that non consensual? No, it wasn't conscious. So there was an there was <laughs> intention to be a long term relationship, but you know sometimes you click with someone, which is maybe how we should start this conversation about one night stands and how that works with communication. You know what? Very, very interesting thing is if we look at sexual dysfunction, um, people who are in relationship have a much higher percentage of sexual dysfunction than. People who are single and engage in no strings attack or attached um, sexual encounters. I think you run away from responsibilities then and commitment. That's my well, opinion. Well, you know what? Yes, I, I see that, but you know, sex is fun. That we all agree on. Yes, um, sir. And why having, not having it in a relationship, a committed relationship? But you know what? If you are not in a relationship, yes, it's that's a different you, story. Exactly. But then you explore uh, and use and abuse your own erotic blueprint. Then you don't worry about the next person who you're having the one night stand for. Elise, I agree with you one hundred percent. What? I'm questioning is how do we bring these two things together? One of the things that you said this morning was that the erotic, la, erotic desi- or desire, desire flatlines flat in any relationship, correct? How do we rekindle that? How do we reignite that spark? 
Okay, that I think we need to start at the basics with Yvonne. Yeah. Tell us about the different brains again. To reignite the spark, to get that, that butterfly's feeling back, we need to acknowledge that that is an emotional reaction to something that you've either seen, smelled, touched, heard. So if a person is saying all the right things to you, you start putting them into the category of the yes bucket. If the person walks past you and they have a cologne or a perfume that is absolutely divine, they move towards the yes bucket. You work on a sensory system, whether it is a long-term relationship or whether it is a new relationship or a one-night stand. There has to be something that sparks in you that goes, oh, yeah, that goes to the yes bucket. So when you're in a long-term relationship and you've lost that spark, the best way to rekindle that is go back to your senses. And I want to add to that, um, if the desire, desire is flatlining at a stage, it's because of failed communication. Yes. And yes, that's yes, what yes. our um, topic is about this morning. And it's often failed communication is often linked to different factors. We spoke about it last week as well. It can be physical from the part, other side of the partnership It can be psychological Emotional, hormonal You know, it can be Medication medication. It can be different reasons On why there's a loss of interest From the partner's side And then, what should we do? Yes, this is a question Yeah, we should so be aware, What should we do? I have no idea <laughs> So I'd like to know Listen to mom We <laughs> discover <laughs> So then I want to, to also divide that into two things. What do you want and what don't you want? And that is very important. And that's where the erotic blueprint comes in as well. And that's often linked to what I want is often linked to the good things that I like. And what I don't want is often linked to the things that... I was fearful of or hurt me or embarrassed me or that is what I don't want. And then you need to have that absolutely like a clear mind. And it's an exercise that you need to work through. It's not something that I can teach somebody. You need to work through it yourself. Um, my thing that I think is important is to go to the side first, the positive side. What do I want? And if I know what I want, there's certain steps to follow to rekindle the desire that flatlined. And what I don't want is another story. And that is usually in couples relationship coaching that you get to that part of what I don't want. You get the part where the the one side of the couple says But I don't want this And then the other one realizes Okay I also don't want this relationship anymore And then you send them off To go and find, find three things For instance That um, is a mutual interest And what they enjoy doing together And then you start the discussion again About how do I explore My sexual sexuality In the relationship again I want to I want to throw back something that, Elise, you mentioned. Um, and I think it was on one of the shows that we did together. I love my husband, but I can't stand him. Yeah. 
So, that Yvonne, was my reality. Um, Shame. I think that is something that happens in all relationships. Mm. How do we acknowledge that to ourselves? Because that's very difficult, I think, to admit mm. that, okay, I'm no longer physically attracted to my partner or um, they are doing something that irritates the living daylights out of me. Mm. What what happens in those situations, and I, I see it more often than not in the patients we work with, they've built up resentment. There's resentment because I don't feel heard. There's resentment because I don't get enough sex in the relationship. There's resentment because you work too much and I'm left holding the baby figuratively and physically. There's so much resentment that happens as life happens, and it comes back to communication. We've survived these waves. We've survived these these periods in our relationship. But that's what we've done. We've survived. We've not communicated. We've not said, I need to be heard. I have needs. And when, and, and typically we hear the men coming into the clinic saying, my wife just doesn't have a libido anymore. You know, whether it's her age or her responsibilities, a lot of that comes back down to the communication and rekindling that flame First you've got to get over the resentment And the only way to get over the resentment Is to work through it There is no around it You've got to go through it It's very interesting that you say that In the last week um, I had At least um, I think about four couples mm. Where The partner uh, presented with the patient Whether it be male or female mm. And You know what the first thing that I do When I consult them Is I applaud them um, For taking The The biggest step And that is actually Acknowledging that something Is wrong Yes, And, and that's the communication yeah. They've decided to sit down and go We don't want to end this Yeah we want to fix this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, and uh, if the patient is, is listening to this, he'll know exactly who I'm referring to. He came into my office and um, with his wife, um, it was his second visit, and I asked him, okay, so why are we here? And he said to me, because I don't want my marriage to fail. Mm. Um, with this guy, he's got absolutely... No libido um, He's young He's 38 uh, They have a beautiful son um, He is um, a, a very uh, Successful uh, IT Guy in the banks And his wife is an accountant So both these people Are incredibly busy And you know what I think that being stuck in one house together mm. for a long period of time with a small child mm. um, became just too much. Uh, and you had time to speak about everything but wanted to speak about nothing. Mm. And just as a curveball to that relationship, again, I'm not diagnosing, I'm not assessing officially, but... 
being in IT and being in accounting, they're both very detail-oriented people. Yeah, very and analytical. Pull, pulling in two different directions but living in the same space with a child that brings chaos. Your child will always challenge the part of you that you deny most. So there's, there's all of this conflict and pulling in different directions during lockdown. Post-lockdown, there's that resentment. And now we're at a stage where it's just not working anymore. So I, I do. I agree with you. I applaud the fact that they've said, what is the solution? And come to you to, to yeah. find that. Again, and uh, you know what? I keep referring back to this statistic. The One of the most common causes of sexual dysfunction and Sexual dysfunction is something like low libido or hypersexual desire disorder. Um, is sexual dysfunction in a partner, whether it being erectile dysfunction, uh, dyspareunia, which means painful intercourse, vulvodynia, something like that. Anything that is making you Step away from this is not nice. Um, the biggest contributing factor to sexual dysfunction in a partner is sexual dysfunction in yourself. So here's here's a question, Mark. We've never discussed this, but what about a partner whose libido is so high that as a partner you can't keep up? So it's not that there isn't enough sex. It's just that one partner's is so unrealistically high. That the other one just can't keep up. Is that also dysfunction? It will create a dysfunction, yes, because now there will be resentment. Some Piwi is nodding her head. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe right now. Um, so, yes, think about this. Yes. You're in a relationship okay. with a guy that demands sex from you three times a day. How often? <laughs> she's, she's walking away. <laughs> I mean, the first day you're like, great, and then you get a bit tired afterwards. You're like, wait, can't keep up with this consistency. And then? I think you start getting demoralized, and you know, you just see him and you just, oh, again. It becomes, I'm I'm already thinking it's a slip. It's like a thing of like, do you, I mean, do you even start feeling like you might be an object in this relationship that, that you're not, can we talk about? Yeah, like, can, like, we, can we hang can we have out? A conversation? Can, we, can we be friends again? Can we? You know, there's more to me than my body. I think. Right. So, Elise, how are you dealing with this? <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going. <laughs> I'm sitting here and, and listening to this, and and it comes back to communication. Absolutely, total communication and honesty about it. I mean, or send him off to wank. That's the other thing. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that's very underrated. Yeah, I exactly. think women and it's again, we spoke about how this is a dirty thing to do. No, it's not. Women need to start and, and I'm talking about wives because of conversations that I've heard and been mm. part of. Sorry. Why <laughs> why not let your husband have his own space and have at it by himself. Yeah. The shower the is way the cleanest. <laughs> Before, after, during, whichever part. During the shower. <laughs> Water is not a lubricant. <laughs> um, but I do have a question um, with regards to communication, right? Um, I think it's all good and well to be able to communicate, but 
when I've, I think and I've seen this in my personal experiences is that I can communicate one thing and then the person have a different expectation or how um, we communicate kind of if I say A and the person interprets A as A means this and it's totally different. So how do you also navigate that when what we're is not the on basics the basics of page? communication? You, you give your message and you ask the next person to repeat it back so that you are both on the same page. To give That's your interpretation of it. So anyway, the, the thing is there, if you're not communicating effectively, you know what, in today's society, in this litigious society, it can be construed as abuse Correct. Rape. So, you know what? This is this is something that we have to be very clear about. I think there's a lot to be said about nonverbal communication. And Yvonne, here I think you are the expert. I think let's go back to what some people said, which is if I'm communicating to my partner, we're talking. I don't like this and, and I'd prefer if you didn't do it or could we, could we find a middle ground? We're starting with the assumption that you and your partner are on 50 50 even kill in this relationship. You have enough right to say what you want and to consider what, <laughs> what is being asked for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe not the starting point that most relationships in South Africa are on uh, That was my question That's yeah. why my hand went up It's how many of our relationships From a cultural perspective Is a 50-50 I think we'd be hard pressed to find many relationships Regardless that are 50-50 There's always Afrikaans, Elise <laughs> um, Are we 50-50? Are we slightly more dominant towards the men? Are women and women more dominant towards men? Yes. In the bedroom. In when it comes to this topic. You see, there's also yes. the viewpoint of. And I, I'm I'm teasing you all now. Listen, I'm, I, as I said in the beginning, I only have one relationship for 37 <laughs> years. I am the boss, and I don't care who says what. It's Poor my, Johnny. me and me alone, and I. That's it. <laughs> we Sorry love about we that. love Johnny, but we see that. Now I'm teasing. I think. Um, and I'm going to refer without being derogatory about it. I'm going to f- refer to the man's world. And, um, you know, traditionally in the Afrikaans community, and I think it relates a lot to the Zulu community, Simbiwe. It's that the men goes out hunting and going to sports games together, and the woman needs to sit at home. And watch the kids and make sure there's food and the house is clean. Your laundry is done. You know, there it's is not that just the Zulu community, I'm just saying. So <laughs> no, I'm just I, relating I was going to ask. It's I my know. household many days. <laughs> yeah. Um and that is where the the disconnect comes actually, is that the woman is there for the man's convenience. Uh, that's a huge thing in a I lot think of that's cultures. That's very, very present in today's society. Yeah, a lot still. of cultures in South Africa. Well, you know what? I can say from my personal experience, um, 
we're stiff on being out of the house. Fuck, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> what did I tell you? <laughs> you know, and it's only been two days. <laughs> Go Stefan. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, I, I understand. Um, you know what? I never thought I was one of those people that became complacent about a, having someone appre- around and appreciative. Yeah. You actually only realize uh, how much easier mm. it is having someone around. Look, I've always said the only way that you can be successful um, is having someone successful behind you. Uh, how women do success and successful wife in the background, God alone knows, because I can't. Um, Okay, so let's continue on that one. Sampiwe, in the African culture, is it the same as in the Afrikaans culture, before we ask Yvonne, the German one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it would be safe to say that the guys are a bit more vocal in the things that they're willing to do and not do. And it's it's almost, um, it's not a conversation, um, it's a cake (laughs) (laughs) and even if you wanted to engage in a conversation I think um, as a female it's a bit harder to bring up Mm -hmm. and I think it's easier for the man to say hey I'd like to try this or are you okay with this because he's the one opening up that space but when it's the female it's very difficult to kind of be like ooh um, yeah like can we just you know slow down can we do this and I think that's that's what's occurring in the African community in general. But is it changing? Well, with is my big- generation, I think so, yes. yes. Yeah. With, because we're starting to see with even different platforms like OnlyFans, where it's quite female-dominated, and you're seeing more women be more liberal and saying, this is what I want to do, and the toys that I have, and this is who I am. I'm single, and I'm mingling, and if you're worried about my body count, then, you know, shame on you. Yeah. So I think with my generation, it's a very different topic. It's it's very different, and I think you have more females being more assertive and, and more sure of, okay, I like this, I don't like this, uh, and John didn't do it last night, and Peter's doing the things tonight, so... Let's go. <laughs> Yvonne, uh, I, I think to add to add to some periods, it's an evolution. You know who we start out being when we start relationships and and being single and mingling in our in our twenties evolves. It evolves with age. It evolves with experience. It evolves with the relationship. How long you've been in it. So I think to say there's a generalization also occurs in different age groups, maybe, and in different dynamics, you know, depending on what your dynamic is. My personal experience being married to an Afrikaans man, being in quite a conservative relationship, I have a voice. He respects my voice, but I use it sparingly because... There is exploration, there is a safe place, and having not always had that in relationships, I appreciate that. I appreciate that when I use my voice, it is respected, but if it's not that important to me, then let it slide, literally. <laughs> so, so 
I think that's for me that works for us that works but it doesn't work for everyone but it does come down to say what you want and stand your ground when you don't want it see I'm I'm lucky enough to know you and Wayne um, and it is that there is a mutual respect um, and open communication mm. um, I also know Elise and Johnny uh, and <laughs> And when she says "hocha," you know what? There's, there's, there's obedience. <laughs> it's not like that. It's July. <laughs> okay. So, how do we make this at the tea clinic? How do we contribute to our patients? How do we bring this back to giving people with? Problems in communicating effectively. How do we help them, Elise, in our practice? Well, I also think it's open communication from our side and discuss, um, give them the platform to dis- to feel comfortable to discuss yeah. the um, the struggles that they experience because yeah. they most patients think they come in and are. We are going to pump them full of chemicals And um, Their problems will be solved Within a week or two days Or whatever But it's also another relationship Communication between us And the patient Is of extreme importance And that's what we do well at Yeah, the you know it, the, we, we multidisciplinary In our approach To our patients, first of all And um, Yvonne as a neurotherapist um, and functional uh, executive functioning specialist that's why you, you mm-hmm. joined us um, firstly if if we think about our patients when they come in the first time and we do our history taking and examinations with them this is not really the topic that we go into first mm. um, This is something that You know what comes out After they've seen us Week two, three, four mm. um, in, our, in our practice you, uh, you, uh, Patients who live close enough See us once a week It allows us to create A safe space and trust Where you know, but not only your medical and biological conditions are addressed, but your psychological ones mm. are attended to as well. And Yvonne, that's where you come in. You know, but we refer a lot of patients on to you and cross refer between one another who battle with certain things. And you know, but all of them are based in the prefrontal cortex and its communication with your primitive reptilian brain that primitive primary part of Mm. where emotion is formed and then how we act on them Mark I think the experience that I've I've had being in this practice the multidisciplinary practice is that People come into the tea clinic looking for a solution. They don't know what that solution is. There's frustration and there's a need. They come in 
And it starts with with the hormones. Let's look at where you're at because we can measure that. We can see if we can contribute to that. And then and then you two, you and Elise, do your magic as far as finding chemical balance in the body if there is an imbalance. But the part that a lot of people have tried prior to that is going to a psychologist or going to a counselor. And talking about their feelings, and there's no disrespect to that to that whole fraternity. There is a place and a time that that is absolutely essential. But within the tea clinic, there's a lot more neurological substance behind it. We're working on a state of anxiety or a state of stress that your body is in, and how we compensate for that. How do we how do we calm that anxiety in the body? Yes, part of that is about exploring how you got there. But a lot of it has to do with working with your, your neurological system so that we get you out of fight or flight. We get you out of panic, out of making those nonsensical decisions that you haven't thought through and they are not going to end well. You know, that, and that's where you talk about the prefrontal cortex. That is where your, your brain ability, your decision making skills come from. We actually go right back down to where we are dealing with reflexes. So fight, flight, freeze. We need to get you out of that because you can't communicate properly with that. You can't make decisions properly with that. But once we get you calm in the, in the neurological system, we then move into your emotional brain. And that is where we are kind of wading at the moment with the topics we're talking about is when you lose that lackluster, you've now fixed your own anxiety, but you've lost that spark in your relationship. That comes to the emotional brain. And that was the senses I was talking about earlier. Everything in our neurological system is triggered by something that is from your five senses. There's six, which is your proprioception, your sense of awareness, yeah. yourself in your surroundings. Um, but everything is triggered by those six. So why not use them for good? As Elise said, you know, go back to the good. What are the things that sparked that relationship in the beginning? What gave you the butterflies? Is it a smell? Is it a sight? Reminisce. Talk about the things that you... What dress was she wearing the first time you met her? Do you remember the first date where you giggled like school children together? Whether that's 30 years ago or whether that is five months ago. Reminisce and recount the senses because that is how you build memory in your brain. It's your smells. Everyone's got a memory of a, a granny or an aunt or a something that used to bake something. And that just oh, it gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling. That's what your senses do. So let's use them for good. You, let's use the communication, verbal communication between each other and maximize the nonverbal of your senses to get you back to that state of butterflies. What I want to add to that is to, um, with your experiences that you're not talking about using your senses, it's all in our imagination in any case. It's locked in there, etc. So use that imagination and recreate the plot. Mm. You know, mm. set the stage and make sure that you drive it or direct it direct the erotic scene in that direction. Mm. You can do that. That's the important part of of re 
kindling communication and that's the nonverbal side of it. Mm. You don't need to say tonight you need to stop at the front door, take off your jeans and then walk through, follow the rose um petals. Petals da 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 da. Or nipple clamps. Or or yes, or whatever. I haven't tried that yet, but in any case when you prepare for the for the game, you create anticipation Absolutely. with your plan, and you inform with with um, thingies along the way how you are going to to create or set the stage. And then um, I'm going back to the basics now, and this is something that you need to do to rekindle this flame before you go and look for extra help. Because if this doesn't help, then you really need help with Yvonne or with Dr. Mark. Right. Um, create the right atmosphere and change up the routine. You know, um, the routine at my house is, for instance, I get home and then my cup of coffee is waiting. I'm, I'm expecting that already. So stop, stop that routine. And, and this is just an example. Shake it up. Shake it up and, and try something else. I'll Ask Johnny to stir with something else. (laughs) (laughs) Fill the cup with a bit of something else. (laughs) Then, you know, in your mind, make up a list of the things that is, that is, that is hidden, but it's a turn on for you. And use that in your, in your creation of this scenario that you are doing. But then, Pick the objects that you know that is um, heightening your pleasure and then share that experience with that partner. Yeah, I, you know what? I think um, people dismiss toys or paraphernalia. Um, props. Props. You know what? This, um, I, I shouldn't be you. You know what? It's kinky. It's not. Um, All of us has a kinky side in us Even if it's 1% You have it Most most women Guys, listen Most women find it difficult To achieve an orgasm Through intercourse alone So add a toy in there A little vibrator Electric toothbrush uh, Whatever Um and you know what? It will open a whole... The right side around, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> if, if someone uses my toothbrush, I'm out. Relationship over. But no, you have you, to buy a new one. <laughs> you, you have a special toothbrush, and you can name him. There are shops you can go to, Mark. You don't need to use my toothbrush. He's spicing things up. Off the Minty fresh. <laughs> so... Um, um, but I do have a question. Sure. Uh, you, you brought up imagination, and I think one thing that some people would be like, "Well, I'm not that creative. I'm not, I don't have a big imagination to start off with." So, how do you even get someone to that point of like? Just picture Jason Momoa. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> no, you need to. You know what I want to say is, we also closed off. Off. Open your mind. And we spoke about this the last time. If you were at when I was young, there was a, a magazine called Scope. 
I remember them. With the stars. Are you guys revealing your ages? Yes. Um, My dad had a lot of them in the garage. Yeah. But explore that side. There's nothing wrong. I think what I want to say is that poor people are being paid. So, you know, go on the internet and go and explore. And <laughs> they need a job too. Stuff. They need a job too as well, you know. You know what? And this is something that you can do on your own. Yeah. You don't need in to. In the privacy of your own bedroom. Okay, Just remember to clear your browser history. But, but here's the, here's, <laughs> here's where I'm going. Or go onto the incognito tab. I, I, you still have to clear your browser history. <laughs> But here's where there's probably quite a disjoint in a lot of long-term relationships. I know from conversations I've had, she feels like it's cheating because you're looking at other people. So how does he have the freedom to explore that? Yeah, that's a lot. Ah, no, ah. But again, it comes back to communication. Absolutely. I'm feeling a little bit of a tingle. Are you available? Is this something we can do? Do you want to do it together so you don't feel like I'm doing something behind your back? Do you prefer not to do it, but I'm going to do it? But when that tingle happens, I'm coming to you, not to someone else. There's a lot of possible scenarios. And if you don't talk about it, then the imagination runs wild. Then you've got imagination. The example that you use now is that you're directing the scene. You are in charge. You say, Do you, are you in or are you out? Right. And that's communication. Yeah. Well, you know what? I like that fact that people watch porn together. And they find something that turns them both on. Oh, that's an interesting position. Or how the hell did they do that? Um, also yeah. important to communicate if when you're watching that together and something does not sit yeah, well with I, you, say it. Yeah. Say something. Yeah. Because then you're going to go down a road where you're getting turned off, he's getting turned on all the other way around, and, and this is not a productive but experience. But also important to mention, yeah, is most of these scenes that you are watching on porn or whatever is very performance driven. It's all performance driven, yeah. Elise. So in a in a real relationship, you need to get out of that headspace of I need to perform. Yeah, it's oh, explore nice something. If, yeah, if, if porn is not an option, um, like reading books is that? A oh, thing I well? love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. But uh, what I wanted to say is, savor the moment. Don't try and mimic what you see on TV or on your phone. Or it's all performance driven, and it's a fake story, etc., etc. But it can help you defining your own erotic blueprint. Yeah, I still have to find a plumber. That walks in with a tool belt <laughs> That turns me on We just missed Halloween We could have dressed you as a plumber <laughs> yeah. Why a plumber? Because of his What happened to the pizza boy? <laughs> but, no I, you know. <laughs> What did you ask him? People? No, what happened to the pizza boy? <laughs> the pool guy <laughs> His imagination is rife I'm telling you <laughs> So, but you know, in speaking about all these things, uh, just to get technical for a second, from a brain neurological point of view, we've gotten past the fight or flight. We're in that emotional space. The emotional space is sense driven. Porn is totally. visual. 
A feather is tactile. Yeah. Smells are sensual. They are very, very effective. But remember that your emotional brain is also your motivation. So that is what drives you to initiate sex, drives you to go and seek it, drives you to cross the threshold of having that difficult communication. It all sits in your emotional brain. We, when we start thinking too logically, mm. we go into the prefrontal cortex. We go into the thinking brain. Sex doesn't happen in the, in the thinking brain because when you think too much about it, you find excuses not to. Yeah. So we've got, we've got to go one step back. We've got to stay in that emotional brain, which is all your senses. So when and in doubt, emo- imagination, which is part of your imagination, but your, your, your senses give us information to use for those fantasies, mm-hmm. for that ima- imagination. But as soon as you start thinking too much, then you start making decisions, not necessarily informed decisions. And this is a, Sex and, and libido, it's an emotional thing. It's, it's, a, it's not thought about so much. It's done. It's a doer, not a thinker. Yeah. Okay. So, Yvonne, let's talk about libido. So I, f- I think a lot of people have a misconception of what libido <laughs> actually is. In medical terms, libido refers to sexual thoughts and fantasies. Mm. It's different to your sex drive, which is the frequency with which you want to initiate (coughs) or um, engage in activity. Um, So for us... um, how we treat low libido is firstly looking at a detailed medical history and things that come into play here are conditions um, depression, anxiety hypertension high cholesterol, diabetes uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, anything else that causes pain Burn out. Um, Adrenal fatigue, stress Mm. Then you have these plethora of medications That suppresses libido And I'm specifically referring to SSRIs Your antidepressants Um, Most people are on some form of Calming therapy or antidepressive therapy, whether it is them smoking, drinking alcohol, on or on being on psychiatric drugs, all of those have a negative effect on sexual thoughts and fantasies. For some people, it heightens them initially, but then you know it after a certain period of time, it exhausts them. Um, one of the things that we do. At the tea clinic is look at the balance between different hormone systems and how those relate to neurotransmitters or chemical messengers mm. in the brain to connect different parts of the brain again. What I do with my, my men who have erectile dysfunction is I give them homework. They have to connect the penis 
and the brain again. You know, you raise an eyebrow, some people. And for me, how I get them to do that is they have to experience different sensations with their penis. So cold, hot. It's all communication. Um, <laughs> rough, uh, smooth. Um, because if you can't feel with your dick, how are you feeling with your brain? And the two need to mm. communicate mm. so that, you know, but the brain sends signals to the blood vessels in the penis. Okay, I need more blood. This is a nice sensation. So, you know, that's one part of of treating our patients. <laughs> um, I think that can work for women as well. You Margaret, know it, uh, that is spot on as far as neuroplasticity is concerned. When you lose the sensation of touch, so so if someone, for example, needs to rehabilitate a leg when you walk, what do you do? You repeat the movement over and over and over until your brain can connect the movement with the neural pathway. So it forms a new neural pathway. Your sense of touch, and, and this is quite prevalent in children where they either become hypersensitive to touch or completely dormant to touch. And that's where your ADHD symptoms start coming in. We use exactly the same therapy in a different part of their body. But from a neuroplasticity point of view, the more you give sensation, the more you wake up those neural pathways, the more active they become. Because whatever you don't use at night gets pruned. When yep. you sleep, gets pruned out of your brain. So if you're not using it, if you're not stimulating that sensation, it prunes at night. And it becomes less effective. So meaning... If you don't use it, you lose it. Absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. both Male men and, and women. And for, you know, for women, we know that achieving an orgasm is a learned experience. Mm. But we also know that it's a practiced exercise. If you do not practice um, having an orgasm as a woman, you have it's difficult to get one correct it's a scary thought that from an orgasm point of view if you don't use it you lose it Mm -hmm. that's why older women and i'm talking about women in their 40s 50s experience orgasms easier than women that are younger and that's why women who have been with a single partner more than six times will experience a much higher rate of achieving orgasms than someone who's sleeping with someone for the first time. It's all repeat, repeat, repeat until you get it right. Okay. So we're coming to the end of the show. Um, I just quickly want to run through a couple of things. Sexual dysfunction. Guys, there's a lot that we can do for sexual dysfunction. We can treat premature ejaculation. We can treat delayed ejaculation. And we can treat erectile dysfunction. We use different modalities. Um, This will include looking at hormones, balancing the hormone systems, um, regenerative therapy, not 
only physical regeneration through platelet-rich plasma, but through Yvonne we work on neuroplasticity, forming new pathways to the brain. Um, we use electrostimulation, uh, peptide therapy, so that's something that we'll talk about. Restorative um, supplementation. Restorative supplementation. And then on the female side, again, we use regenerative therapies, um, Using platelet-rich plasma vaginally um, as well as um, in the cervix. Yeah, stem, stem, cell stem cell therapy. therapy so, Mark, um, the one thing that I want to mention that I, I did not know was a possibility. As a, as a mother of three children, you can't skip at the gym anymore because you wee yourself. You have no bladder control anymore. I was so thrilled when I had the conversation with Simpi was shocked. I think you'd be amazed how many women will not skip at a gym. But when I met Elise and she said, but we can fix that. I was like, why, why is there no billboard on William Nickel for this? <laughs> you can fix that? And it's a life-changing experience to be able to cough and sneeze and not wait yourself. So that, that is in itself, as a woman, was, was one of the big draw cards for me you know, to come to the practice. That is one of the leading factors of sexual dysfunction. Women get embarrassed because bladder control becomes an issue during mm. intercourse. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great campaign for me to not have kids. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just regenerate afterwards. <laughs> no, excuse, no excuses. Mm, I'll just continue with the, the other part. You know, <laughs> just keep on exercising those muscles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that concludes our series on sex and. The language of sex um, communication. communication The message that we wanted to bring across Was um, Be honest with yourself Go and find out What your sexual blueprint is Most of us are a mix um, Acknowledge them Practice it in a safe space With or without your partner um, Involving them in this will strengthen your bond and deepen your relationship. Um, for those people out there who have dysfunction, reach out to your practitioners. Speak to them in a language that doesn't make you embarrassed. We are professionals. This is what we are supposed to be doing. Um, you can't embarrass us. Uh, the only person that can gain from this is you. So go out, be sexy, be sexual, and have sex. Next week, we will be back with I don't know what topic yet. <laughs> I think we actually... Oh, next week, actually, we will talk about the brain fog phenomenon not only from a gut perspective and a hormone perspective but from a stress and psychological perspective um, that's going to be a fascinating one brain fog everyone listen next week nine o'clock and go to our website Oh, I'm supposed to mention that yeah. <laughs> um, the website is the, the tea clinic um, 
Com. <laughs> the Tea Health Show, Medical Lifestyle Show.